I'm Joshua. I'm Jacob. And this is Somebody Somebody Else's Favorite Songs, a podcast about music. For people who like music. Yeah, but no one's going to listen to this. Maybe our wives or mothers? Probably not. You are listening to episode one. This is part one of our two-part series, The Bands of Our Lives. Welcome to our very first episode. This is a project that we've talked about doing for some time. Long time. And we really sort of don't have much of a plan. Just we want to talk about music. We do talk about music. We text about music. We, I write about music. We play music. We, we do all sorts of things with music. We annoy our wives with our unending discussions in the living room, so we might as well just... Annoy everybody else? Well, the one one listener. Oh, yes, yes. We are annoying you, listener. Yes. So, (laughs) (laughs) but we thought it would be fun to do. So, if for nothing else, like most of the other things I do, just vanity projects to amuse myself. But at least we're amusing one another. So, perhaps you'll be amused too. And if you are listening, we appreciate it. So, I'm sitting here with... Jacob, Jacob, why don't you tell the folks a little bit about yourself so they'll know who they're listening to? Well, my name is Jacob, and um, I'm from East Texas, born and raised. I'm 25, a long-time lover of music. Started playing the guitar when I was around 11 or 12. Played the trumpet and all through high school and some part of some of college, and uh, enjoy playing bass, piano, drums. Like recording music for fun, and to read about music, uh, listen to records, just anything I can, and specifically about the Beatles, which is uh, going to be certainly a topic of our discussion uh, on this episode. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Josh. Well, I'm not 25, but I was 25 a couple of decades ago, (laughs) so I'm also from East Texas, and... I have also been playing and listening to music for really as long as I can remember. I also enjoy playing uh, different instruments. I prefer to play the bass, but very rarely have opportunity to miss miss that opportunity. But I uh, also like uh, playing the guitar and the keyboard and talking about music. As I said, writing about music. Uh, shameless plug number one, joshuavbest.com is the repository for my writings so and your album reviews and my album reviews which uh i've been working on that as a side project for about three or four years and i think i've completed three reviews so that's moving <laughs> right along um hopefully we'll average more than one podcast a year but i'll find it easier to talk than to write uh because i'll never ever stop editing my writing and ultimately eventually i'll get tired or shut up one or the other so Stop talking. We'll see. All right. So we thought on our first episode we would do something that we've we've talked about before, but would be a good way to sort of help anyone get an idea 
of sort of the directions our musical taste goes. Because just to say, oh, we're going to talk about music, well, that means a whole lot of things to a lot of different people. Now, Jake and I both have very eclectic music tastes. We like a lot of different things. And there are some that we like better than others, and we do often agree on the things that we like very much. He mentioned the Beatles. That's a that's an important one. But there's there's a lot of different things that we like. So this is an idea that I thought uh, that I stole from somebody else that I thought would be a good way to just sort of learn about us and what we what we kind of like the best. So it's a game called Bands of Your Life. And where I heard about this was on the radio station out of Dallas, The Ticket. They have a feature every week called The Biggest Show Coming to Town. And they would list all these concerts that were coming to town that week, and then everybody on the morning show votes, and that's the biggest show coming to town this week. Well, obviously, when the pandemic hit, the pandy. The pandy, as it, we refer to it now. Yes. when we, Thanks when to we, the ticket. When we hit the pandy, then obviously there's no more concerts. So uh, one of the hosts ran across this survey on Twitter called Bands of Your Life, and they have turned that into a weekly segment where they have guests and all sorts of things, somebody different every week. Um, most recently, uh, Joe Buck, the Fox announcer, uh, did it, and it was hilarious, by the way. But anyway, the only rule to this is you can't list the same artist twice. So you you can't repeat an answer, in other words. And there's, I don't know, seven or eight different categories. And so what we're going to do is just go through them and give our responses. And, you know, maybe sometime there'll be a fair number of comments we want to make, and maybe others will just, you know. So these are the bands of your life. And Jacob will go first, and the controversy begins right out of the shoot. Right this second. Because the first category is band you hate, Jacob. Band I hate. That's a tough one. I'm gonna. I'm going to uh, let you answer that. And let me think about it. <laughs> so, Jacob I'm chooses, the script right chooses out of the to gate. punt on first down. That's okay. <laughs> well, all right. A lot of people shy away from this one. They say, "Oh, well, I don't hate anything." Or, "Oh, my, my well, hate is such a strong word." Blah, blah. No, this is the easiest one for me. When I heard this list and I saw that, it was very simple for me to say that the band that I hate is Rush. Oh, come on. They're all right. I cannot stand Rush. If it comes on, I cannot turn it off fast enough. It is the most grating, annoying, awful thing I've ever heard. Innovative, perhaps. Talented, certainly. All these things. Don't care. I hate Rush. Let us not rush to conclusions now. (laughs) I thought I'd be the one with the first dad joke, but anyway. I do not like them, Sam, I am. (laughs) And in fact, given the choice between having to listen to a Rush song every day or, say, being deaf, I think I'll just put a gun in my mouth and go with neither. So if you're done with your unending rant about Rush... Well, it's hate. I mean, let's, that let's, requires some... Let's rush some... through this, and let me get back to my answer. <laughs> All right, give because your answer. Because when this came up, this has been a couple of months ago, where 
Josh asked me and my wife, who happens to be Josh's niece, uh, about this, I went into my Google Notes and found my answers. So, the band I hate, I put Florida Georgia Line, the often maligned bro country duo from the 2010s, and I could go on forever how much I hate them, because they represent the antithesis of what I think country and western music should be. Both kinds. Both country kinds. and western. Yes. I think that they they were. I know that they were. The the new wave of country that had to do with dirt roads and trucks and uh, painted on jeans and bears you know, and fishing and rifles right. and just, pickups. Just anthems of southern life. And uh, they've gone from I mean country music has come a long way but They've gone in the wrong direction. Look, it appears that on country radio, the pop country, or as I like to call it, southern pop, they're coming back to a more traditional thing, I understand. I don't listen to country radio much, but I follow a guy on YouTube who comments on modern country, and hopefully they get away from that. So, band I hate, Florida Georgia Line. I love that answer because it is very appropriate to illustrate a lot about how both of us feel about country music. We don't hate country music. We love country music. We just define it in a little bit different way. So, what you hear on Nashville radio now, not it. But that you know, ain't it, Chief. when it was the '90s, I thought country music was bad. But now when I look back at 90s country music, it's actually all right. (laughs) You've also illustrated something else, too, which is always when you get to a certain time of your life, when a new generation is coming up and making music and getting on the radio, you always think the one before that, oh, when I was in my 20s, like you would have been in the 90s, oh, well, I didn't like it then. I preferred the 80s. But now I have this in the 2010s. Well, actually, I'm going to – I prefer – the 90s better. I mean, you now, always that, are going to have this likening to, wait a second, well, this isn't how it was when I was coming up. That's a common so. phenomenon. So if we're still doing this in 10 years, tune in for the episode where Jacob talks about how much he loves Florida Georgia Line. Never going to happen. <laughs> we're going to break that cycle. Next question. <laughs> well, band you think is overrated? I actually think that Elvis Presley, very much overrated. That's just one of those things. Um, you know, Elvis was obviously very huge in the 50s. He kind of vanished a little in the 60s, did all those movies and all that, came back in the 70s. The, I guess, I don't know if it's just a preference for the 60s, the British invasion, that I just think Elvis is so overdone, or maybe it's the fact that um, my job in um, various retail uh, you know, outlets and things. Elvis has played so much, and I don't know, when I had a particular job, my boss really loved Elvis. His office was decorated with Elvis stuff and <laughs> memorabilia, and I just, you know, it's cool. I mean, I like all the class. He's good. Mm-hmm. He's, it's, he's very good, but I think that all of the, the older generation, say my grandparents' age, have a particular love for Elvis Presley, they exalt him above anyone else. That's just what I don't care for. I'm not. I'm not saying that Elvis is not any good. I'm not saying that. I didn't say he was the band I hated. Right. I just think that Elvis is overrated, in my opinion. 
I like that answer. That's that's a thought provoking answer, and 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 I think a very good and justifiable one from just a quantitative standpoint, where you try to figure out, demonstrate the the value of something. Is there a big cultural value? Yeah, obviously. Is there? Um, was he the first? Um, white boy to do those things quote-unquote black music yeah yeah i mean that's an important that's an important historical thing but does it necessarily equate with the legend that as as we know it and so that that's interesting especially for someone who didn't write his own songs no not that that's that's getting into a whole other conversation yeah which maybe we'll have one day and i do i do want to add as well that uh, last summer we went, my wife and I went to Memphis and went to Graceland and all that. And I was, it was interesting to go through the house and there was a, a guided tour with narration by John Stamos. But the whole thing was just, um, you know, overexposed and commercialized. I mean, selling you things every at every turn, their visitor center across the road is just, everything is so cheesy and I just... And I don't know that that sort of increased the effect that increased the amount of overratedness I feel for Elvis Presley mm-hmm. just seeing all that. Mm-hmm. I think that's a great answer. So the band I think is overrated, which is another one that just really going to get a lot of people's dander up. But the the band that I think is overrated is U two. <laughs> <laughs> He's out to get me with all these answers. <laughs> well. And, and, and whenever I talk to people and say, you know, hey, I just I just don't particularly care for you two, and I don't hate them, you know, they don't drive me crazy or anything like that, but they just don't move the needle for me. It just doesn't do anything for me. And anyway, they will often say, well, that's because you've never seen them live, and that may well be. Fair. Um, there's that subject of the impact seeing someone live has on you is going to come up later in this in this discussion. But uh, I just I'm not I'm not that interested. It just it just doesn't do much for me. And back um, several well, it's probably been a year ago now when my my wife tried to get me to listen to Coldplay. I was like, <laughs> dude, I can't do it, man. Not only do I not particularly care for it, but they kind of sound like you too. Just there's just something about more, it more that produced is, maybe. I, I, yeah, I don't know. But I just. I just don't think they're as great as so many people seem to think they do because they don't do anything for me. So, all right. The next one is the band you think is underappreciated. So, Jacob, who do you think is underappreciated? Well, to draw a nice little parallel, my underrated, or I should say overrated band or person, I said Elvis Presley. Underrated, I'm going to say Elvis Costello. Um, mm, dueling Elvis. And, and when Elvis. I say Elvis Costello, he's recorded with various, you know, you might see Elvis Costello and the Imposters, him and the, and the uh, Attractions, anything that, any of his music, and he's, you know, had a recording career that spanned 40, year, spanned 40 years. He's done all kinds of genres and all kinds of different styles. I just think that no one no one talks about him in general conversations regarding great artists. 
I know at one time the Rolling Stones had him, uh, I think, number 80 on greatest. He was either greatest songwriters or um, greatest artists, top of the top 100. I just really enjoy his music, and especially lately, in the last few months, much to my wife's chagrin, she doesn't like his voice um, or like the, the general sounds, but I think he's very overrated, and I think everyone should give him a listen. You think he's very underrated? That's what yeah, I'm sorry. Underrated, yes. What about you, Josh? You, you had the wrong Elvis in mind. True. I don't want to be cruel to either Elvis, but... <laughs> uh, My no, name is true. Well, okay. <laughs> so, uh, I, like, I like Elvis Costello. Or I should say, I like Elvis Costello's first album. Because it's the only one I've ever listened to. And we will rectify that over the course of this podcast. In, in fact, I, I love... Love Elvis Costello's first album, my, my name is True. So I don't know whether he's underrated or overrated, but I love that first album. So someone suggested I listen to it, and I did, and I picked it up on vinyl, and so here we go. And that's the first artist we've come up with that I've actually seen live. So You've I've seen s- him live? Yes. Um, he opened for Steely Dan. Um, the Gosh. About 2015, I was going to look it up, but I can't remember my password to the set list site. I'll have to look that up too. But um, yeah, open for Steely Dan. Boomer characteristic number one. I'm not a boomer, but <laughs> I was sitting about the third row and he opened, and it was it was great. I, I can't. I think it was the Imposters that he that he had with him. That's the band he's that he, yeah he's with now. Yeah, recording under. So uh, it was great. It, it was really great. I think he did three or four songs that that I knew and several that I didn't. But I mean, we got. I know we got Allison. Um, definitely remember that. Um, maybe the Angels want to wear my red shoes. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a couple, but anyway. Um, all right. So band I think is underappreciated. I went with Counting Crows mm-hmm. for my underappreciated Agreed. band. And that is because, in my estimation, so many of them pigeonhole them as the band that did August and everything after. Mr. Jones and all that. Yeah. Which, which, yes, that is a seminal 90s album. I mean, if you're going to make a list of 90s albums, that one's going to come up really, really fast. And, and, and as well it should. The problem is, it seems that there's a lot of people that that's all they know of Adam Duritz and Counting Crows. And that is a real shame because they have done a number of fine, fine albums since then. Um, in particular, uh, after after they did, um, uh, what was it, Recovering the Satellites, which that had Long December on it, so people, people remember that because of the song and the video and Courtney Cox was in it, all that good stuff. And then it was the album Who's uh, This Desert Life, which had uh, Hanging Around and some things like that on it. By then, they're off the radar for a lot of people. And... Well, but also I remember it was one of the Shrek movies, maybe the second movie. Yeah, Accidentally, Accidentally in Love. Love. That put them on the on the map again, I think. Yes. That was a big hit. Yes, it did. Um, and yet, here we are, you know, closing on 30 years since that debut, and it's all about August everything after anytime I hear someone talking about it. It's crazy. It's been 30 years already. Um, nearly. So, it's 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 an, incredible. But, 
there's a lot of good music throughout their entire catalog. Hard Candy in particular is probably one of my favorite oh, that's albums. A great album. It's going to be top top 20. I mean, anything that opens with a Rickenbacker, you're going to learn. I got a soft spot <laughs> for a Rickenbacker guitar. So, any album that opens with a riff on a Rickenbacker is going to get a vote for me, but my underappreciated underappreciated artist is Counting Crows and also someone that I've seen live. I have not seen them live. Um and I really would like to. Of course, the the pandy, as we say, certainly. I think they were. I think they had a date this year that was maybe looked good. Pretty much every year they have they have come through. My brother uh, is a guitarist, and he's a big Counting Crows fan. And he he goes to see them every year, and he has been up to um, the Outlaw Road Show, uh, mm-hmm. I believe it's called, in New York several times. And you has, said he actually got to talk to him a little. Yeah, he's he's uh, hung out with Adam up there at, while he's at that, and in fact, uh, sat and watched several of the bands with him. They just kind of chatting and watching. That's awesome. Um, you know, together. So uh, that's my brother's favorite, his very favorite band, but it would be pretty high on my list too. And I think they're very underappreciated. Um, I also have an honorable mention okay, <laughs> for for underappreciated because this is hard. <laughs> but I think it would be very important to point out that Texas singer-songwriter Bruce Robison is mm. criminally, criminally yes. underrated. That's a very, very, very good choice for that one. Uh, it is possible that if someone happens across this and is listening, doesn't even know who Bruce Robison is. But if you've been listening to any sort of country radio for the last 20 years, I guarantee you know some of his songs. Uh, songs like Traveling Soldier, which was covered by the Dixie Chicks, uh, Angry All the Time, Tim McGraw and Faith Hill, mm-hmm. uh, Desperately and Wrapped were both covered by George Strait. Huge. Desperately, a huge Huge hit. George Strait hits. Yeah. Huge, I think that was number hits. one, actually, Desperately. Yes. Oh, absolutely it was. And, and everybody knows Desperately that yes. listens to George Strait. Now, Bruce Robinson wrote that song. And he has made several albums. One of them back in, in the 90s was called Long Way Home From Anywhere. And it's just one of the finest collections of songs that that I've ever heard. And as we go through doing stuff like this, I'm going to say that's a top 10 album, about 30 albums, because, you know, that's the way we roll, right? But that's a top 10 album. Love that record, and Wrapped is just about as good. So That's a really good choice, and, and somebody, I would like to say you mentioned that, the, um, that Elvis Costello was the first person we mentioned you'd seen. Well, Bruce Robinson, I was very lucky uh, to be able to see him, I think it was last year or year before last, we went to Fort Worth. We went to the Dallas-Fort Worth area and saw him very much up close. Got yes, to meet at the him. Kessler. At the Got Kessler. to meet him, take a picture with him. I, I just love his music. He is so good, and, and definitely you know some songs he's written. Or wait, was have you been to see him more than once? Just once. Okay, so that wasn't at the Kessler, so we must have gone with our friends to see him at the Kessler. Because I've seen him three times. Once at the Kessler, once in Oklahoma City at the Blue Door, and then most recently in Louisville, that was with y'all. That was it. You and yeah, yeah, and we saw. Oh, that was great. He was touring for that rapped album, and and uh, I had ordered it, and I got him to sign it, and all because he's such a nice guy. He's oh, also yeah. like six foot seven. He's huge. Very huge. Um, very tall. Just a great, great, great. No guy. I take that back. Me and my wife went to see he and his brother. 
Charlie Robinson. That's they right. played in Lindale, Texas, and we went. It was an outdoor sort of area, and they came out and they just sat down and they just played some songs. And Charlie Robinson too is somebody who's criminally underrated. You mm. might know his music. Um, a song called El Cerrito Place. If our, if our listener listens to mm-hmm. country in the two thousands, Tim McGraw, I think, is is who uh, recorded that one as well. I'm, I'm not going them. to say Tim McGraw more than once in a podcast. Okay, well, <laughs> we should move on then. <laughs> I like Charlie too, and it's a shame that he's unable to perform anymore because of a vocal issue. So, but uh, so we'll move on then. And the next one should be pretty easy because it's simply the band you love. Yes. The band I love is The Police. And when I say The Police, also I mean the solo um, catalog of Sting. I have always loved The Police since I was young. Of course, everyone knows Message in the Bottle. They know Roxanne. They know, um, you know, Every Breath You Take. I'll be watching you. Sort of a creepy song when you look at when you look at the lyrics. Um, just Sting's bass playing and uh, Andy Summers on guitar, Stuart Copeland. I mean, that is one of the finest trios in rock. It just no question to me. You know the the bass lines, the the words, the Sting's Sting's singing, and also I want to say sting singing, about sting singing. Sting singing. say that ten times fast. Um, a particular album of Sting called Ten Summoner's Tales released in the early 90s. That is a particular favorite of mine. I will have to say that's definitely a, as I'll say, a top 16 album. Uh, just one of those albums that I can listen to over and over. Um, I just love Sting and his his um, his artistry to do a Keith Urban impression from American <laughs> Idol. He's such, a good, he's such a good musician and songwriter. So, band I love, definitely The Police. So I have some comments about that, but I'm going to save them for another time because it's possible the police could come up again. So I'm just going to leave it at that <laughs> okay. and say the band I love is Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Oh. And I am certain before this is said and done, uh, provided we're able to continue and, and enjoy doing it, that we will have multiple opportunities to discuss Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers because... We both love Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Everybody we know just about loves Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Um, I was fortunate to see Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers seven times. First time in 1991 when they were touring for Into the Great Wide Open. And the last time, about six or so years ago, when Jacob and I went with our wives, he, she was his girlfriend at the time. Yes. But, you know, we went. And so the last time I, we saw him was together, the two of us. So that's that's a nice memory. But, you know, whether it's early Heartbreakers, which I take from the first album up through Let Me Up, I've Had Enough, or the fruitful period of Wilbury time up through about Highway Companion. Truly a second coming. Yeah, and that's, I mean... That's when I'm, you know, high school age and on up into young adult and young married and children type life. That's that's my Tom Petty. Love some of the early stuff, obviously. Um, 
but without going too far down on a tangent, then you've got the, the latter period, um, which I don't listen to as much, but still, just good. everything is good. It's good. Everything is good. It's, it's Tom Petty. And if you're going to make a list of the best, the most important, um, or your favorite American band of rock band of all time, if Tom Petty isn't your answer, it's got to be one of the first ones you think yeah, of. As far at the first as American least. rock bands go, come on, the Heartbreakers. Who, who else? No one I can think of as, I mean, as an American rock band. If you're making a list of American rock bands, Aerosmith, I mean, is somebody you can mention. You can mention but them. That they're, no, that's not going to, I mean, you got short-lived stuff. Like Credence and the Doors and stuff like yeah, that, but, all important stuff. But Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, both Tom Petty himself and with the Heartbreakers, have endured for what fifty years, nearly nearly fifty yeah. years. Yeah. So, and I'm just like Josh said about the police. I'm going to reserve my comments because, as you will mm. find out, we have a lot of overlap with our musical interests. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to um, reserve my comments on them. So. I have another honorable mention because okay. <laughs> I'm a big, dirty cheater. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> um, honorable mention, uh, Bad I Love is Jackie Green. Uh. Uh, I first discovered Jackie Green, and this is going to be someone that is not well-known. I mean, a lot of the people we're talking about, maybe Bruce Robinson, not, not as well-known among the general public, but Jackie Green is probably would be best known to people as the last member of the Black Crows to join the band before they broke up and toured with them. He toured with with them as one of their guitarists for a year or two, I think. But he's a San Francisco guy who's been putting out records for 20 years, um, different projects. Uh, he does some some stuff with, uh, with Bob Weir from The Grateful Dead. Um, he's He does all sorts of, of things, but... First learned about Jackie when I was listening to Pandora probably 10 or 12 years ago, and a song came on, and I liked it. And I still remember the song. It was Farewell So Long Goodbye from American Myth. And it started up, and what I actually liked about it was it sounded like Delbert McClinton. I was like, this is great. (laughs) This sounds like Delbert McClinton, you know? So I checked him out, and I discovered a songwriter whose uh, abilities to perform rock and pop songs and do it the way he wants to do it was almost unparalleled, especially among people that are not well-known. And so I acquired American Myth, loved it, acquired um, the the next album, Giving Up the Ghost, acquired the next album, um, which was... Um, uh, Giving Up the Ghost was 2010. No, it yeah. wasn't. Yeah. It was 2008 or nine. Yeah. Because... Uh, that, yeah, that's about right. And then the next one is... Till the Light Comes. Till the Light Comes, that's right. So those three together, all three of them are just outstanding. And... But I, I kind of like anything he does. So you see him doing... You can get on his little uh, webcast and just him playing the, the acoustic guitar or piano and singing. And it's great. He's got a great voice. He's a great writer. And no slouch as a guitarist. No, no, he's a great guitarist. Um, I was I was very impressed, in fact. So Jackie is somebody that I've seen live three times. And I've seen two of those times. And the first time was at uh, Sons, Sons of, Herman of Herman Hall. 
I'm going to say probably about eight years ago, 2012 2012. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, there were maybe 10 people there. Seems like there were more than that. <laughs> but we, when we he were, started, there wasn't more than 12 people there. <laughs> we were sitting on at a table that mm-hmm. was right next to the stage. What I liked about that performance in particular was that, okay, maybe I'm exaggerating, maybe there were more than 10 people there. But there weren't more than 20 or 25. <laughs> there were not very many people there that night. Is He went through the show like it was for a stadium. I mean, yeah. he he gave a fantastic show. He He must have had seven or eight different guitars with him and switching them out to get the right sound and everything. And and I knew enough of his music. I knew most of what he played that night, and it was great. Now, subsequently, when we've seen him a couple of other times, the last time we saw him in Fort Worth, there was probably, what, a couple hundred people there? That, yeah. That was, that was great. And a lot of times he'll be involved with South by Southwest, and so he'll play Dallas or something before going down to Austin. So I'm looking forward to that because it's been several years and haven't seen Jackie in a while. But look him up. You'll like him. All right, the band you can listen to over and over, Jacob. This is where I where I list Tom Petty, um, and I have to say, seeing him live was awesome. American Airlines Center in Dallas, you know where the Mavs and the Stars play. Big big venue, and um, got to experience that with my wife, who was as Josh said, um, my girlfriend at the time. And I have to say that this Tom Petty is the first mention on this list where. It's such a great connection that I have to my wife and, by extension, Josh. The the types of music that I was introduced to from my wife, um, I remember early days getting to know her and, and pursuing her, shall we say, back 12 years ago or 10, 12 years ago, going on LimeWire and downloading songs. Maybe I shouldn't mention my illegal uh, procurement of music, but going on LimeWire and downloading songs that she, she told me to download. And that's how I got into Tom Petty. And um, it just, I don't know. There's something about hearing the the opening, you know, the intro to The Waiting, or, um, you know, Don't Do Me Like That, or um, Listen to Your Heart, Listen to Her Heart. It just makes me feel a certain way. Mm-hmm. It, it's just pure rock and roll. Yeah. And I love guitars and playing guitar and guitar music. And there's so much good in there. Mike Campbell, great guitarist. But just as a band, they, they, they just play so well together. And I can listen to them over and over because they have a long career that spans a lot of different genres. I mean, they toured with Bob Dylan in the 80s. Tom Petty was involved with, um, you know, the Traveling Wilburys, as Josh has said. I just, you know just love really have a a big love for Tom Petty and his everything he's done and it's very sad it's been 3 years i think yeah 3 years since he passed away yeah. i remember it was he passed away in october mm-hmm. of 17 october of 17 i think october 2nd in in april he was going to be back in dallas and i know that josh you may have considered and we considered separately Going to that show, we decided not to, or maybe it was because tickets weren't available. But. It was the 40th anniversary, yeah. you know, concert tour, and I had, you know, the first time I went and saw him, they were they announced that it was their 15th anniversary, and my <laughs> wife and I went to the 30th anniversary show. Um, that's when Stevie Nicks came out. Uh, that 
uh, documentary, Running Down a Dream, which is so good, has a concert. But that's that that time, that that concert, that 30th anniversary. Uh, it was fantastic. Um, but um, one thing we'd never done, because my wife really loved to go see Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. That's one of the... She's not real big into concerts, but there's a few that she really likes, and, and that was one. And she really wanted four seats for that. And so I went and looked it up, and it it was going to be... You know, I looked for Dallas, Austin, Houston, and you know the best I could find was either it was either eight hundred dollars or a thousand dollars a pop for floor seats, and I'm like, eh, I, I that's more than I want to pay. We'll do it the next time. Well, gladly would have shelled out a thousand dollars a head to go to that show and get floor seats to Tom Petty, knowing what I know now. So. Obviously, I greatly approve of your choice. This will not be, as Josh has already said, not the last time that we discussed on I feel certain. So, the band that I can listen to over and over is Steely Dan. I honestly became a Steely Dan fan shortly before Two Against Nature came out in 2000. Obviously, I was aware from listening to what classic rock radio was at that time, I knew, reel in the ears, do it again, uh, Ricky don't lose that number. My old school, maybe. Uh, maybe. <laughs> More of a deep cut, maybe. Maybe. Um, Peg, Deacon Blues, Hey 19. You know, those... The hits. Yeah. If you can call some of them hits, I mean, yeah, comparatively yeah. hits. The, the, the ones that, that you would hear commonly back then, I knew. And I don't remember exactly what what pushed me to to explore further, but I, I can tell you that I was more familiar with Two Against Nature, the album, than I was any of their 70s, uh, what, seven studio albums mm-hmm. first, which is comical to think about now. That is weird. Because I... I like Two Against Nature. I think it's a great album. It is. And and I really, really like it. But it's it's a separate thing. You know, the, the main canon going from Can't Buy Thrill up through Gaucho is is prime Steely Dan. And eventually I went back and explored all of those. I got, got uh, CDs of all of those and just immersed myself in it and found myself absolutely loving them. So... That, as I'm getting into, um, one of the first CDs, mix CDs that I burned, <laughs> burned, burned was, a, was a Steely Dan mix of, of my favorite Steely Dan songs. And I think there were like four from, from uh, <laughs> To Against Nature. <laughs> so Strange. that's just where I was at the time, right? So they were touring, of course, for Two Against Nature. And they'd only been touring again about seven years at that point. Um, after taking about a 13 or 14 year break from doing anything together, save for a couple of tracks on Don's solo album. But anyway, that doesn't matter. Um, and so I was going to go to the Starplex to see them, and I got a couple of lawn seats for me and my brother, and he said, Yeah, I'll go with you. And I actually have two brothers. I keep talking about my brother. I'm talking about my middle brother, the, the uh, guitar player, but. I just should throw that out there so no one is offended. I actually have two brothers, and both of them I will talk about from time to time. (laughs) And I'm talking about my middle brother here. We were going to go. And so I already had the tickets. And there was a uh, station in Dallas. I was working in Dallas. We were living in Dallas at the time. 
and there was a quiz on 92.5 KZPS, the classic rock station, which we had on at the office. And the quiz was, um, in the Elton John song, Levon, what's Levon's father's name? Well, I knew the answer to that. So I called in, and people kept saying, it's Jesus, it's Jesus. No, Levon calls his child Jesus. Levon's father is Alvin Tostig. So Alvin Tostig has a son today, and he shall be Levon, okay? And I knew the answer to that because I'm a big dork. And I called in and said it right. They, you got it right, and you win Steely Dan tickets. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. I didn't know where you were going with that. Yes. So um, I actually did not sit on the hill at Starplex for the first time I saw Steely Dan. I sat in seats. Now, they weren't great seats, but they were pretty good seats. And that was the first time I saw Steely Dan, and I saw Donna Walt six times over the course of the next 15 years or so. Um, guarantee you all at some point be talking about that, and definitely we'll be talking more about about Steely Dan. Um, if if pressed, uh, my perhaps my favorite album of all time is Gaucho, and that's a polarizing album even amongst Steely, Steely Dan fandom or the damdom as it might as it were <laughs> would, might be, but. I I love Steely Dan and never ever get tired of listening to them. There is not a week goes by that I don't listen to Steely Dan. Agreed. All the time. Well, Josh, I think this is going to conclude it for this episode. Is there anything else that you'd like to say or you think we should add before we wrap it up? Before we sign off, Jacob, tell everyone where you can be reached if they want to contact you, and we would love to have feedback. I can be reached on Twitter at... Fifth JMK, that is like F I F T H J M K. You can also find me there um, by that name on Facebook as well. I can be reached uh, online at joshuavbest.com or by email at joshua at joshuavbest.com. That's Joshua V as in vincentbest.com. Uh, on Twitter, it's squonk15, S Q O N K 15. Uh, Facebook, or Instagram, any of those. Any feedback you have, we'd love to hear from you, um, even if it's, hey, stop talking. But we'll be back again with another episode, hopefully very soon. Until then, I am Josh. I am Jacob. And this has been Somebody Somebody Else's else's Favorite favorite songs. Songs.